0: The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the refuge of my life. Whom shall I dread? Good question. How do we move from fearful to faith filled? If I'm really honest with you, I'll tell you that the catalyst for me is often being more desperate than scared. Let me tell you about a time. In 1993, when I was 33, it suddenly occurred to me how young Jesus was when he died, and that he had accomplished all the Father had for him in that short time. And here I was, covering the same territory, again and again, with very little progress. That realization made me desperate. And I prayed this prayer. Jesus, whatever it takes, I want to know you. I am too old and too tired to be playing at this anymore. I want change, real change. I don't want to be the same person I was last year, or last month, or last week, or yesterday. And you know what? I don't want the change just to be for me. I want others to say, hey, what's up with her? She's changed. Jesus, whatever it takes, bring it. Fast forward nine years. In 2002, in August, my parents and my youngest sister moved to our wonderful Wesley village. In November, when my dear 81-year-old mom was home alone, she fell and she bumped her head. And what seemed like a pretty minor wound was actually a very serious injury. Her brain had rocketed inside her skull and had hit the front, and she was bleeding out. She died six days later on Thanksgiving Day. Five months to the day after that, a diagnosis came sliding across a doctor's desk in our direction. I was diagnosed with stage three cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, It was aggressive, and without treatment, dead in a year. I endured, we endured, six months of chemotherapy, and I was bald and battle-weary, but I emerged cancer-free. Four months after that, my youngest sister, two years younger than I, who had many health needs, juvenile diabetic, double transplant recipient, double amputee, perished of respiratory failure. Within the span of 13 months, we buried my mother, endured cancer and chemo, and buried my youngest sister. Folks, that's too much life. That's too much death. I had my face pressed against the window of my own mortality. Two months after that, I get a call at work. Our teenage children had been hit by a tow truck on their way to an orthodontic appointment. And we're being rushed by ambulance to the ER. Am I Job? Seriously, I was a little worried I was going to morph into Job's wife, you don't want to go there. I raced to the hospital, Steve was racing in his vehicle, I was in mine, and I was holding that steering wheel, and I promise you folks, I felt for all the world like a race car driver who was in an accelerated life vehicle, and I was so afraid that I was going to hit that concrete embankment. I couldn't hold it together much longer. I was going to crash. The Holy Spirit intercepted that thought and said, Carol? You are looking at the wall, hoping you will not crash. Get your eyes off the wall. Look at me. Internally, I shifted. Miraculously, miraculously, our kids escaped that car totaling event with minor injuries. Steve went back to work, I drove them home, I tucked them into bed, and I was thin in the worst ways. I went with dragging footfall to the mailbox. And I opened the mailbox, and in the mailbox was a padded envelope. And in the envelope was a plaque. And the plaque was engraved in Latin. That's the plaque. The translation reads, Bidden or not bidden, God is present. I called Steve, and I said, Well, God just showed up in the mailbox. (laughs) He gave me a tangible reminder to look at him. Look at him. That rigorous 15-month period is now 12 years in our rearview mirror. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, Well, Carol, I got my takeaway. I am never going to pray that prayer. Jesus, whatever takes, bring it. (laughs) Because see what happened to you? And I would say, you are wrong. You are so wrong. God, in his benevolent goodness, in his providential care, knew that these events would transpire, and he gave me nine years of learning how to trust him to prepare for that. I'm so grateful. Let me give you the bottom line of that season for me. Bottom line lesson, I am not enough. I never will be. God is enough I get ambushed God is completely aware I am powerless he's omnipotent and I show up present and scared and he shows up present and moves my anxieties to the side and fills that void with everything I need and breaks the paralysis of my fear that I might live God says, get your eye off the wall, look at me.
1: you kind of bold, Do you know
0: that? I'm loud, my mother used to say <laughs> loud.
1: I like it, I like it. <laughs> what is it that releases the psalmist from his fear? About halfway through Psalm 27 we get an answer and it's an answer that the neurologist, a neurologist would like actually. The answer? FaceTime. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I will seek. FaceTime. Human beings seem to be more secure when we have that emotional connection between one another. Less so when we don't. But you don't have to be a psalmist to know what we're talking about. Neuroscience is telling us much the same thing these days. It's shown that much of the early developmental processes that result in how we manage our fears as adults is actually connected to the gaze that goes on between mother or father and child in our early development. We're made for this kind of interface. We're made for FaceTime. But when the child is out of sync with the mom, what you get is desperation, and we feel that too, don't we? We feel that in the moment. Because there's no one there to help the child face up to the mounting fear that's there. Of course, the the psalmist is not a child. The psalmist is an adult, like you and I are adults, and we have adult-sized problems. Look at the Scripture again, if you will. Even as an adult, the psalmist recognizes the necessity of face time, particularly for face time with the one who is his light, and his salvation. Scientists would agree that even we postmodern adults still need that kind of face time. There's, some, there's something happens in the interface that's directly related to love casting out fear. It's been a pretty tough and destabilizing year for our extended family. You're going to have been to think that nothing good happens to us. It really does. But on March 3rd, one year ago, Carol's dad and my dear aunt had a stroke on the same day. In that moment, and with the resulting domino effect across our family, our lives changed. What was set in motion, we could not have predicted personally, professionally, relationally, or financially at that time. In fact, in looking back, it seemed like every single person in our family on both sides, every single one was pushed into life changes that no one anticipated and no one wanted. So how do we survive 2014's anxieties? Well, for me, it boils down to one thing. For me, it was FaceTime. From 2011 to 2014, God began seeding into my life contemplative practices. And so as we rolled into that year, he was inviting me to just do what I practice, and that's practicing his presence in the moment. Like the psalmist, I heard God say, Steve, seek my face. And so now, Carol and I, get up early in the mornings to walk dogs and to pray together. And then after that time, before it's light, I get a chance for FaceTime. It's quiet. It's often wordless. And yet, in those moments, I get a chance to practice living in a reality of a loving Father who is with me in that moment and is with me every moment of the day, if I'm aware of it. Just like the the child in that little video parable that we watched, God is doing everything to get my attention. You didn't think in this parable that God was the mother, did you? God's the child. Looking, inviting, saying, Steve, look at my face. Whatever you're anxiously and vigilantly paying attention to, recognize that I'm here. Return to me. Tune in, Steve. Tune in. And let me tell you, made all the difference. It has made all the difference in this year. So much so that my wife actually says, and if this isn't a, a sign that God's at work in your life, when your wife actually says to you, I can tell when you're doing FaceTime, Steve. I Get can tell. Get out there and do a laugh. <laughs> now, to be honest, some days are harder than others. There are some times where I'm so distracted by the fears that are all around me that I, uh, I get caught up in those kind of things. And it's in those moments that I'm learning that the loving father says, Steve, still here, still here, seek my face. In those moments, he doesn't whisk away the fears, but he helps me recognize a reality is always the uh, that reality is always bigger than the constraints of my fear goggles that I have on in the moment. God's message to me is that there is always more in the moment than just my fear. So as I practice his presence, in an anxious moment, I always find an expanded reality where there is great goodness. Great goodness. As the psalmist says, I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That goodness we find in the gaze with a person. We find that he is the goodness. That we're looking for i can vouch for that after this year the one who is goodness and mercy the psalmist says in the 23rd will follow us all the days of our lives we're being stalked by goodness that's the most profound hope that we have and as we come to communion that's the hope that we celebrate